Welcome to Never Forget Radio. I don't know when you're hearing this, but it was released on September 11th, 2015. This episode is the first in a while, and it'll hopefully be the first in a modest season two of this podcast. Run five or six episodes once a month on the 11th, starting now. You can expect a resumption of the post-9-11 art series and also updated versions of two live performances from this summer. Plus more, I hope. Last year on this date, we reviewed the USS New York, and the year before that, the Tribute in Light, as part of our series on 9-11 memorials, which is called Empty Sky Rising. The series is named after two memorials that are named after songs from Bruce Springsteen's 2002 album, The Rising. We've already looked at Empty Sky, the New Jersey State 9-11 memorial, and today we examine The Rising, the official memorial for Westchester County, New York, which commemorates the 109 victims of 9-11 from this county immediately north of New York City. Oh, it's so hard to remember. Welcome to Never Forget Radio, where, from the comfort of your own home or your device, and from the safety of the future, we can revisit the memory of 9-11, of George W. Bush, and of all the years associated with both since. It's been over a decade of disappointment, failure, and disaster. I'm no expert, but I'll be your host as we explore our recent past and try to reclaim it. Let's roll. Unlike Empty Sky, which includes the line, I want a kiss from your lips, I want an eye for an eye, the song The Rising is cleverly ambiguous. It tells a story that could literally be about a firefighter climbing up the steps of one of the towers, but it's also large enough to contain a multiplicity of general meanings and messages. Indeed, by the chorus, Come On Up For The Rising Tonight, I think he's not talking about 9-11 at all, but already anticipating preaching in a stadium church, as he does. Or perhaps even a bigger stage. The song's subsequent political use for the naming of memorials and especially Springsteen's performance of it in 2009 at Barack Obama's inauguration on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this dark. 
speaks to the malleable, non-specific nature of the uplift theme, lyrics, and performer. Just as the song doesn't feel very related to a presidential inauguration or Lincoln or Obama, it doesn't seem to have a specific connection to Westchester County, New York, or to its particular loss, victims. And this melding, forging, joining of individuals' individuality and uniqueness into non-specific generality, this tastefulness and reusability, is, I think, the theme of this memorial, The Rising, and the theme of this episode. Of course, this is a pretty easy joke, a layup, but the whole thing seems very suburban. Of course, this project is shaped by my background and where I'm from, which is Westchester, and White Plains, just one town away, only a mile south of the Kensico Dam Plaza, where the Rising is located. I like to think these two songs by the band Men Who Lunch, one of the uh, brightest stars in the Westchester DIY punk scene from my youth, I like to think that they really encapsulate the whole story of the county and its inseparable connection with New York. In fact, I think this band sums up the county better than this memorial does, and better than Bruce Springsteen does. We rode up to the Kensico Dam. It was only a mile, but we thought it was ten. We go to shows in New York City, 30 miles away from home. Take the bikes on the Metro North. Sometimes the city makes me sick, all the cars and all the traffic. Sometimes the city makes me sick, Indian food and fucking Snapple. The Kensico Dam, for example, as celebrated by Men Who Lunch in their song Kensico Dam, is a perfect symbolic location that encapsulates the area. The placement of this memorial arising in a verdant suburban park created by the presence of this looming masonry dam gives it a lot of its significance. The Kensico Dam holds back water that would submerge the county, saving that water and redirecting it to be used by the city. With this massive public work from the early 20th century, the county sacrificed some of its land, water, identity, and immigrant workers to the power of the city. And the roadway on top of the dam was closed after 9-11 for fear of terrorists attacking New York City's water supply. I think that most small communities and their 9-11 memorials would rather be showcasing their uniqueness and independence, but this one is grounded in the patterns and power behind American suburban life. If the setting of this memorial in the shadow of the Kensico Dam emphasizes its Westchesterness, then how does its form relate it to the place? I think they're connected by a vague, tasteful artiness, Although, when I say tasteful, I really mean in contrast to some of those other suburbs. The rising is composed of 109 steel rods that rise from the ground and twist together to form one strand heading upward towards the sky. The rods are arranged in a circle accompanied by names and separated by gaps that you can run through. I saw kids running through it when I was there. Uh, and the gaps are gracefully filled in as they join 
as they move upwards. Even non-religious people, I think, can appreciate the skyward focus of this sculpture. It is an evocative, a, a quiet, and calm piece of art. This abstract sculpture contrasts with common iconography to 9-11 memorials, such as those that can be found in an article that I've posted along with this episode that surveys many local New Jersey memorials. This article and other episodes in this series feature tributes that are composed of ribbons, angels, crosses, eagles, reproductions of the towers, pentagonal pavers, and ceaseless numerology, heights and widths that are 9 or 11 inches or feet, engravings or even bell ringings on cues that feature the exact timetable of the disaster, 8.46 a.m., for example. The article even features one memorial in Somerset, New Jersey, which is a piece of World Trade Center steel and a clock in the center in the town square. On top of the clock, it says, Time to Remember. So, of course I'm biased toward the rising's graceful, tapering form, as opposed to these garish bells and whistles, or angels and crosses, of those other memorials. Of course I prefer this patrician field foregrounding tons of pharaonic stone. Of course I'd rather have this tasteful tribute. I'm from Westchester. And this episode would have been easy to frame an examination of the Rising as one of the good 9-11 memorials, not one of these garish, embarrassing ones. However, looking at these different approaches to memorializing this disaster has made me confront the class background that I bring to aesthetic and historical evaluations of 9-11 memorials. Whatever they intended, and I suppose they thought they were striking at the center of world trade, Thankfully, after the event, control of its narrative passed out of the hands of its perpetrators, which is good. Obviously, it passed into the hands of the American government and media, which wasn't so good, but it also trickled its way into the control of all of these individual communities and people affected by it from all classes and parts of America. I don't think that my aesthetic disagreement counteracts the extent to which the people that erected these memorials felt that this, say, religious, patriotic iconography represented them and represented the people who they were commemorating. The subtitle of this series, Empty Sky Rising, is basically thoughts and feelings about memorials, which is worth something, hopefully. I think there, there's a sell-by date where after these sites will no longer really elicit any of these things, and they'll fade back into the cityscape as... Uh, empty names and dates without experiences. And it's actually a feature of the local memorials, if you think about it, that they really are only there, and they're really only intended for people who were immediately affected. A lot of the attributions of that article surveying local memorials are created by local artists or designed by local residents. And it even documents people who constructed models or reproductions of the towers in their lawns or garages. These things were only designed for the present. And that does make them more effective in the present, because those that seek to project their narrative into the future are often suspect and dangerous. Victory memorials, for example, or memorials to heroes or explorers or conquerors, they don't always come off so well. And most memorials' meanings change over time, like Bruce Springsteen's stage, the Lincoln Memorial, 
or the new Holocaust Memorial in Berlin that I've read articles about has, because of its uh, abstract, imposing form, has become a place where locals go to take pictures for their grinder profiles. Why attempt to address the future at all if your meaning is inevitably going to change? Why not simply build for the present? Instead of trying to impress the people of the future, why not comfort people now? And so these small-scale memorials do look worse the more that time passes, but people were comforted by them in the time when that was needed, close to the event itself. Even though I'm presumably disagreeing with the narrative, aesthetics, annual police ceremonies, and almost everything else about these memorials, what I can't disagree with is that feature, that they did provide something to affected communities and grieving people. These memorials were very good in a certain way, a way that's not for me, and might not be for you, but that wasn't intended to be. The service they provided in a smaller context is self-justifying. And so, even though 14 years later they're embarking on a second career of ridicule, neglect, and being forgotten, they've already done their emotional job. What other things besides commemorating 109 deaths is the Rising trying to say? We already examined its particular connections to the song The Rising and didn't really find any. The concept of rising used here must be metaphorical. It refers to what I've called the post-9-11 bubble, the period recorded in popular and political history after the attacks, when people volunteered and donated blood, when other nations offered support, when shocked people reconsidered basic structure of their lives. I don't think I need to explain this. People are gathering at every memorial today to express it. In this reading, the memorial doesn't memorialize the people it names at all. It's meant to memorialize us for having gotten over and through it, for having risen, for having become better. This is the idea, I think, that associates the form and title The Rising with this memorial. Uh, that's a good concept. I certainly prefer the idea of a memorial whose subtext is we got through this and we got better than one that says we won or we're still hurt and angry or we'll get you next time as so many of them I feel proclaim. At first I suppose that that intention arising, joining, oneness seems as tasteful and general and fine as its physical form. The narrative of this memorial is, I'm going to say souls, because I think that's what it's trying to impart. We start from the ground with 109 people, and as they rise to the top, or to heaven I think it's pretty much saying, they become one, one soul. The day united them, and thus unites us. One soul. On September 10th we were all going about our separate lives, and then on the 12th, united we stood. Perhaps this joining, twisting soul effect is meant, like in the song, to illustrate the firefighters and rescue workers ascending separately into the building and then continuing to rise metaphorically and supernaturally, rising and joining in a symbolically religious way. But all these meanings require that you read the memorial bottom to top, when you could just as easily read it top to bottom signifying people streaming separately out of the building in terror, or other meanings. Collapse. Falling. 
I don't understand why you would make a vertical memorial at all for this particular event. If there was ever a time to break away from the phallic convention of upright memorial statues, sculptures, and obelisks, the violent destruction of two of the tallest buildings in the world would be the time. But the designers chose a vertical form, and out of the 15 songs on Bruce Springsteen's album The Rising, they chose this one. And I think that the people who died, and I mean this in a sense specific to this memorial and also in a broad national sense, the people who died are kind of lost in the desire to establish this narrative. They go from individuals at the bottom to one symbol at the top, 109 people subsumed and crammed into one narrative, allowing all of us survivors to rise above. I'll say what I said last year, I'm using these people now, just like they're always used, to make a rhetorical point. But they went to work that morning as people, or they got on those planes as people. But by that night, they were transformed into de-individualized symbols, to be reused over and over for every terrible purpose, for torture and invasion and occupation, as rhetorical bludgeons, to change the country and the world for the worse. For me, this memorial symbolizes that exploitative process. It looks tasteful, but it conceals to my thoughts a truly nasty narrative. This loss of individuality and death, and this transformation from person to harmful idea, without agency, without consent, without feeling or regard. The National 9-11 Memorial at Ground Zero proclaims, or even shouts, in block capitals forged from World Trade Center steel on its wall, this classical quotation, No day shall erase you from the memory of time, Virgil. But I think that all these years of group memorialization has erased these people, as one by one they're bundled up in steel, twisted and pointed upward, leveraged for any cause, trained at every enemy stepped over so that we can rise. This is the difference between remembering 9-11 as a tragedy and remembering it as a cause. Never forget, as we've come to use it, it means never forget your experience, your 9-11, where you were, what you were doing. Stay with that feeling of immediate terror, of being hurt and violated, of sudden intensity, an oasis of horror in a desert of boredom and forget everything else. What happened before, what happened that day outside of how you experienced it, what happened to the people who died, and especially what happened afterward. Never forget. Never Forget Radio is a production of Bookstyle Publications, based in West Philadelphia and sometimes proud to be from Westchester, New York. You can find it at Never Forget Radio on Bandcamp, iTunes, Facebook, or Gmail, or Never Forget Pod on Twitter. Music in this episode is by Old Table and Swistine. Plus Cave Cricket, No One and the Somebodies, and one other band. Special thanks to Jason Regas, Mordecai Martin, Lynette Johnson, Jamie Goodman, and Rebecca Catherine Hirsch. 
Today's quote is by Ronald Reagan. America's future rests in a thousand dreams inside your hearts. It rests in the message of hope in songs of a man so many young Americans admire, New Jersey's own Bruce Springsteen. Thank you and never forget. Mm-hmm.